But yeah, there's music in the street. They close off several of the streets in downtown Austin. And I mean, at one point I was on the roof of this bar looking down onto the street and there was like this roller derby thing going on in the middle of 6th Street where they had, you know, roller derby girls and they were like doing jumps over each other. And I mean, it's just one of those things that you're like, what is happening here? There's Chewbacca, guys in Chewbacca costumes, like taking (laughs) pictures with people. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fun and weird, but it's surreal. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Brie Noble. Brie is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Brie's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Brie is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, this is Brie Noble. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. This is our second episode and we launched last week. We have had a great response to our interview-based format and all the things that female musicians can learn about how to build their business and how to make great music and how to make connections with their audience through this show and through the interviews, um, the insights of the guests that we have. I want to encourage you to subscribe to the show on iTunes so you can receive the show immediately as it comes out on Friday mornings. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd really appreciate a written review and rating on iTunes. We are giving away CDs and merch from our guests every week to one lucky reviewer. And I want to read the review from today's lucky winner. This is from Shaolin Soprano, and it says, Epic Podcast. Brie blows my mind with her revolutionary entrepreneurial spirit and is truly an amazing musician. Everyone should subscribe and be inspired five stars thank you so much for that review and please contact the show at brie at femusician.com to claim your prize or find me on facebook at brie noble music aaron dickens from our last episode was generous enough to give us a copy of sizzle and swing her cookbook that goes along with her cd java jive you will be receiving that in the mail and now i am so excited to get to my interview with stacy sherman We are going to be talking about PR and how artists can do their own PR and how artists can then hand that off maybe to a PR agent if they just want to focus on their own music. And we're also going to be talking about South by Southwest, the biggest festival for independent artists and what her experience was there, um, why or why you shouldn't go to it, what you will expect if you go and um, how it can benefit independent artists. So I'm going to give you a little bit of information about Stacy first. Stacy Sherman is here to make sure your story gets heard. She was always the one sitting in the back, listening and absorbing all the knowledge and information that she could. She started RSP Entertainment after many years of being that person that people went to for help with essays, speeches, presentations, and everything else. She was the fixer. She takes your words and makes them better, more concise, prettier, however you want to think of it. She's worked with clients from rock stars to beauty queens, from independent artists to bloggers just starting out. RSP is all about developing relationships that help bring people together. Life is about making connections and sharing knowledge. RSP promotes clients and coordinates all aspects of media, events, 
promotion, and image presentation. Everyone has a story to tell. Let RSP make sure that yours is heard. So that's a little bit about Stacy Sherman. And we want to know, is there anything that's not in your bio that you want to tell us about? Maybe something a little more personal? Um, I don't. I have no idea. Uh, I'm kind of not the person that people pay attention to because my job is really the art, making the artist shine. Um, but maybe I guess people should know that I'm super organized and detail-oriented. And that's beneficial to my clients because I really care about the details and the little things. And I notice other things that um, a lot of people don't that I think are important. So I care about how my clients are treated and I like them to feel special and important. So I think that um, the details, it's the little things that all add up and I pay attention to all those little things. I don't know if that's important or not, but. It is important because I think for musicians, like, it's hard for us to pay attention to those details. I mean, we can really notice if like one note is out of tune when you're, you know, in the studio. But if you, you know, something with your marketing is not right, usually you don't notice that because you're so focused on the music. So that's why we have PR agents, right? Exactly. <laughs> so how did you get started in PR? Uh, well, I kind of fell into it because I was always the, the go-to person. When my friends needed something, I was the planner. And they know that I really, you know, kind of that whole detail thing, I get stuff done. So I was doing it anyway. And one day someone said, hey, why aren't you getting paid for this? You're really kind of running the show. You know that, right? And I was like, oh, I guess so. Um, so I started putting the word out and slowly, like Facebook contact reached out to me and asked me to help with the planning of a big EP party. And I did that. We did a huge press junket and that was my first project and things just really snowballed from there. That's cool. So what percentage uh, of the people that you work with are independent musicians? Oh, right now, like 99% of them are. I only have one client that isn't a music-related client, and they're a sports entertainment-based type operation. Are you focusing on indie musicians on purpose, or do you just kind of fall into it? Um, I, I just kind of fell into it at first, but now that's really my focus because they they need the help because they're you know they really need to focus on the music like you just said you know you can tell if a note is off or something like that but i and I've, i would have no such skill at that i would just be like mm, that sounds kind of funny but i wouldn't know why but someone like me can really help indie artists who maybe don't think they need a publicist or don't know what a publicist does. So they just kind of do their social media when they have time or try and get their, you know, their brother's, you know, podcast to, you know, feature them once or twice, things like that. But there's really a whole world out there. And I'm trying to make a small difference to the indie artists where I can. I think that's true. They, they tend to not have a strategy. I call it throwing paint at the wall and hoping something sticks. You know? Exactly. I totally agree with you. So do you see, what I see a lot sometimes is in bios, um, they're just not well written. And for me, like my husband's an English professor and I've always been really good at English. And so I really, like it really turns me off if I see a bio and it's like, there's run on sentences, there's all kinds of weird sounding English, you know, and so do you see that a lot? I see that a lot. And that is actually one of my biggest pet peeves because if artists want to be taken professionally and one would presume by the fact that they have a website with a bio, they want to be professional. 
but then it's like you said, run on sentences or that whole, you are your, your thing that you're trying to be professional. You're not texting your neighbor or whatever. So make it look good. And that's one of the services that I offer kind of on an a la carte basis. If I'm not working long-term on a project with an artist is I will write bios for artists just as a, as a one-off kind of thing if they need help because it is such a big pet peeve and it's one of those details that I was talking about that people notice. Definitely. Cause I mean, I have someone that does research for me for my women of substance podcast and sometimes she'll come back to me like with, well, either I can't find anything online about this person, which to me seems crazy yeah, or, or, you know, what they wrote is really so boring (laughs) 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 that I can't find anything specific to say about them. So what do you think makes an artist unique and how do you capitalize on that, you know, in bios that you write or in the promotions that you do? Right. Um, one of the things like the whole the whole tenet of RSP is telling stories. My tagline is everyone has a story to tell. And in this day and day and age, it really takes a lot to be unique, you know, musically. There's the old saying that, you know, there's no new music. And it's kind of true. Um, and I like to have my artists be unique by how they use their skills out in the world. And, you know, that's not necessarily just being, a, you know, a really awesome singer or super talented guitar player. But what are you doing with that talent? Um, that's how I try to make people, you know, stand out. Um, how do you impact your audience? Give them something of value and that they see as value. They want to be a part of your story. Um, Benji Rogers, who's the founder of Pledge Music, I just saw him in a panel discussion two nights ago, and he was he really resonated what he said about giving your audience the opportunity to go on your journey with you. And that's really what I'm trying to do. Only, you know, I'm not the founder of Pledge Music, so I, I don't have a, the the platform to tell people about it. But that's what I try and do is creating things that are valuable to your fans. And that's what makes you unique. It, you know, if, if you're a drummer that, you know, has your entire kit bolted upside down to the stage and you're whistling while you're hitting, you know, yeah, that's unique. But we have to figure out how that can translate to audience marketability. I so agree. I think in shows too, you're, you're trying to make a, a memory and then they're going to want to take that memory home. You know, they're wanting to take a little piece of you home. And that's, that's where your story comes in, I think, to connect. Exactly. And it's all, it is, it, those are buzzwords like connecting with your audience or engaging your fans, but they're buzzwords for a reason. You know, people want to feel like they're a part of something and take ownership of it, even though, I mean, it's still yours, but they are somehow brought into your world and that makes them feel special. And that, and that's, what's important. If people feel special, they're going to remember you. Absolutely. Totally agree. So uh, as a PR professional, what are the kind of the top three maybe that you can give us ways that you promote? I mean, do you use social media? Do you use traditional media, radio, you know, press releases? What works the best, you think, for indie artists? Um, For indie artists, social media, Twitter and Facebook, anything kind of grassroots, if they're not, uh, if they don't have a huge following, you have to start with the basics of building that following. So I try and do something again, I'm going to say my buzzword of engaging the audience. Um, but you, that's what Twitter and Facebook are for. Um, 
I do like radio airplay, super important because you want to get your music out there. But that's a lot more involved because you have to track down the, you know, the independent radio stations that aren't run by corporations that have their playlists, you know, sent to them every week out of Atlanta or wherever their corporate headquarters are. You have to build relationships. So that takes longer. Um, I know one of those. It's called Women of Substance Radio. <laughs> I know. Go figure. Um, I hear that Brie is all about, you know, new artists and showing the power of women in music. So definitely people out there, if you need some airplay for your music, Women of Substance Radio, it's where it's at. Yes, but you must be a woman. Oh, yes. I still get I still get people sending me music <laughs> that are men. And I'm like, have you looked at the name of the station? Have you looked at our mission? Do you see who we play? You know, have you listened? Clear again, attention to detail. They're not paying yes. attention. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'm gonna move into another thing that I want to discuss with you because you just went to South by Southwest and of course, that is the biggest um, indie festival in the United States, maybe in the world. I haven't even checked, but I mean, everybody knows about it. And I've always been interested to go, but I've never been brave enough to go yet because it just sounds crazy. And I was reading your blog and it makes it sound kind of like going to Mardi Gras. So I'd love to hear kind of more of a description of what that's like. Uh, that's a very accurate description of what it's like because it is is nuts. It is music everywhere. I mean, ridiculous amounts of music everywhere. Like every venue, even if it's like some tiny, tiny bar, they have a stage. And during South by, they will have like an artist playing every 20 to 30 minutes. So they can do as many as like 10 to 12 artists in a day. And these are all unofficial, what, what South by Southwest calls the unofficial showcases, which they're not, you know, sponsored by corporate people or whatever. But it, it's nuts. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's supposed to be. And they try to start out with like, OK, this is when these parties are going to be and blah, blah, blah. But you get there and um, sometimes you can get in. Sometimes they're at capacity. So just because you have an invitation or you've RSVP'd for a party, don't count on getting in. And that's my, that was where I had a huge problem with it because I'm that whole super organizational. I'm trying to like, okay, we're going to be here at 12 a, you know, 12 noon. And then we're going to go from there. We're going to be done in a half hour. And we're going to go here. Yeah. It doesn't work like that because if you're supposed to meet somebody at noon, chances are they're going to show up at 1230 anyway. And boom, there's your, your allotted time that's gone. So, but yeah, there's music in the street. They close off several of the streets in downtown Austin. And I mean, at one point I was on the roof of this bar looking down onto the street and there was like this roller derby thing going on in the middle of 6th Street where they had, you know, roller derby girls and they were like doing jumps over each other. And I mean, it's just one of those things that you're like, what is happening here? There's Chewbacca, guys in Chewbacca costumes, like <laughs> taking pictures with people. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fun and weird, but it's surreal. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. I know. I just like, I looked down like roller derby. What? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I guess whenever you get that many people together, craziness ensues, I think. I think you are correct. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of artists think, you know, I need to go to South by Southwest because I'm going to, I'm going to meet so many people there. That's going to be my ticket. I'm going to meet, you know, PR agents that are going to help me. I'm going to meet other artists I can, you know, collaborate with, and I'm going to meet, you know, industry professionals. Do you think that really happens or is that just a myth? Um, 
I think that the industry professionals meet with each other. And it's in my mind, the way I look at it or the way I see it happening is it's like some sort of secret back room, you know, know the secret knock and everybody's back there with cigars and, and whiskey or something. But they've already actually planned all those meetings ahead of time. And they just like happen. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll be at South by. I'll meet you there, you know, at the Hyatt lobby at what, you know, whatever time they randomly come up with. So they kind of already have their plan in place. There's no, you know, you're not going to randomly see the head of a label as you're walking down Red River and then end up having coffee with him while he signs a deal for your artist or for your if you're an artist, they're not going to take a meeting with you as an indie artist. It just doesn't happen. You know, it just, it's kind of like an insider feel that I got to the whole, the industry level of things. And if you don't know someone who can introduce you to so-and-so or whatever, you could easily spend days just going from party to party, introducing yourself to people and hoping that they're the right person to talk to. But, but I really don't think that as an artist that, that is going to happen. Uh, so are the artists kind of like separate? The artists are hanging out together. The industry people are hanging out together. Um, yes, sort of. I mean, the artists are all playing every, any artist that I ran into or that I knew was going to be there. They're there to perform and do that grammar. If you're typing the transcript of this, um, they're coming to perform and that's the sole purpose or mostly the sole purpose that that they have come to South by Southwest. The industry people come to to do panel discussions. They come. It's, it's a giant party. It's a week long party. So, I mean, they they treat it as such. There's a whole lot of fireball whiskey in Texas. Let me tell you right now. Mm, mm. Um, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say I, I was doing shots one day at, at at like one o'clock in the afternoon, but so was everybody else. <laughs> damn it. So I was just following the crowd. Um, so there's such a slim chance of meeting a big wig as an artist, but I, I think the value for the artists is that they can meet other musicians and a lot of the audience that is there is they're, they're music people. So they appreciate musicianship and it's an opportunity to meet other musicians and connect with them and their fans or new fans that would be beneficial to a musician going to South by. Okay. So do you think the people that are watching the shows of the artists performing, do you think any of those people are industry pros or do you think they're mostly just other musicians and maybe fans? Um, no, there, there are other, there are industry pros. Cause I mean, I was at shows, so yes, there are industry professionals there, but they are people like me or other PR people, or, you know, there's some A&R if, I mean, does that still even exist? Like, are there A&R guys anymore? But people like that, but their purpose to go is not to break new music when they're there. <laughs> if you know what I mean? It's, it's not like they're going to go and break some new artist they will, they're going to enjoy the music mm. and the, the environment and the festival. That's the impression that I got anyway. I really didn't see, you know, okay, okay, wait, no, I, I lied. There was one guy in front of me at uh, one of the bands that I do some work with. It's called the Accidentals. And they're a group out of Traverse City, Michigan, super talented kids. And there was a guy in front of me at one of their 12 
performances that they did during the week with his laptop open, like typing. And he was like doing, he was looking up information on the band and it turns out he was there. He, they were written up in billboard magazine. Oh, well that's and cool. That's who that guy was. The guy, you know, that I just thought when, during the performance, I was like, Oh, this guy's really into it. He must be, you know, here for a reason. And then a week later, this article comes out that they were one of the top seven, you know, attractions or showcases or something in Billboard. And they were listed as one of the things. So, but that could happen, but that's kind of lightning in a bottle. That's kind of weird Mm -hmm. that something like that would be. And again, they played 12, maybe more showcases during the week that the six days that they were there. And that happened once. Mm. So what's the chances that most bands aren't playing 12 shows? They're playing one or two shows. So it, it just doesn't happen. I don't want people to get the impression that, you know, if you spend all this money to make the trip and go to South by Southwest, you're going to get discovered, you know, like, like in the olden days when, oh, yes, I was, you know, on the street corner and so-and-so saw this beautiful woman and, oh, look, it was Marilyn Monroe or, you know, however... You hear the stories of or like Pam Anderson, I think, was in this a stadium at a sports event and somebody saw her on the big screen. I don't think things like that happen anymore. I know. I always think about Tony Braxton was pumping gas or something and singing to herself or something. And some some guy came along that was a, a producer and heard her like that doesn't really happen, does it? Right. And to me, <laughs> that sounds like she has a really good PR person that made up that story. That's what I mm-hmm. think when I hear that. But I'm, you know, a little bit jaded. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because you're really good at making up stories. No, I don't make up stories. <laughs> I, I embellish. I, oh, I make yeah. them more interesting to the general public. That, absolutely. I mean, that's what, that's what you have to do, really. <laughs> But um, so, okay, so assuming that there is a benefit for going to South by Southwest for a musician, what level do you think in your career should you be at? I mean, should you just be, I I would think you shouldn't be just starting out. Maybe you should have a certain kind of following or you should have a CD out or do you have any opinion on that? Um, Yes, absolutely. I think that they should have some semblance of a music career. Like you said, it's not just somebody that's just starting out. You you'll just be lost in the madness if you try and do that. Um, but have some semblance of a music career, whether it's, you know, your, your grown up job, you've made it enough as a musician, or if you have to do something else to pay the bills, but you're still a music, you're a musician. Um, have at least one record out, even if it's an EP or a single, like something that you can tangibly point to. So people don't think you're just, you know, some guy that plays in a garage band with his nephew or something have legitimate, you know, tangible proof um, in a social media presence that, and that's not like your personal page, have a band page or an artist page on Facebook. So you are legitimized, I guess. And I mean, that, that word could be taken the wrong way, but so the public thinks that you are serious about your career. That would be when someone could go to South by Southwest and um, maybe start looking to book a showcase or one of the unofficial shows. That would be my suggestion. I have to agree because, you know, for me, for the Women of Substance podcast and when we're doing the research or when I'm even putting the shows up and I tag everybody on social media, media, I'm always like, 
okay, this person doesn't have a band page or this person doesn't have a Twitter account. And it kind of changes my opinion of them a little bit. Like maybe they're not really serious, which, you know, I try to not do that because I know some of them are starting out, but you really should have that because if someone is going to see you and want to look you up somewhere, that's the first thing they're going to do. Absolutely. They're not going to look up your personal page. Right. And, and what if they can't find you or, you know, like me, I have a personal and I'm not, you know, a famous musician or anything, but I have a personal page that's super high security private. Like my friends and family and, you know, new people that I meet that I want to be friends with, they're on my personal Facebook page. But on my professional page, that's for business. So Definitely. I think you really need that. And, and some people don't get that. Yeah, you you definitely have to have that. And sp so speaking of Twitter, I saw that there was a group of women from Go Girls, the Go Girls Twitter chat that met on Twitter and then they met up at South by Southwest and they planned something and I what were they called again? The, we, like, they called them. Yes. What are they called? They called <laughs> the Lady Beast Trifecta. The Lady Beast Trifecta. Yes. Um and Rory Kelly was one of the ones that kind of coined that term of, of just calling herself a lady beast because she um, she works so hard and she's so passionate about her music and her career. So she she kind of looks at it like she's a beast, but she's still a lady. So she started saying she was a lady beast. And then when all three of them decided to come together with their similar philosophies of hard work and, and doing what they needed to to make their music career. I'm like, wow, there's three of you. It's like a trifecta. So I started calling them the Lady <laughs> Beast trifecta. Like but in our internal communications, and then all of a sudden somewhere it like went on Facebook or on Twitter, and it was I, that became the official, like their hashtag became Lady Beast trifecta. <laughs> oh my gosh, they even had a hashtag. That's uh, yeah. funny. Well, they have a good publicist, so we know the, right, the importance of, of that. Yeah. So what was what was their mission? What were they doing at South by Southwest? Um, they were all going to be there anyway, and we decided to collaborate and how it kind of came to be. Alex Winters lives in Austin or in the Austin area, and she's one of the women that we, you know, we all met on Go Girls Music Chat. And Mary Bue, who lives in Duluth, Minnesota, was planning to go to South by Southwest and was looking for venues, these unofficial venues that I was telling you about. And she called Alex to try and get some insider, you know, get some insight. So Alex gave her a list of a few places that she thought would be good. Mary contacted, and it turns out one of the guys that runs one of these venues was from Duluth. So oh. he was like, yeah, come in, do your show. And most of the shows, like I said, were kind are they're all like 15, 20 minutes. You play two songs, you're done. This guy was so excited that we were looking at doing an event with him. He gave each woman, you know, individual sets and they played an hour. We had I mean, it was it was really cool how it came to be. And Rory came in kind of on the back end of it because she was planning to go to South by Southwest. She'd been the year before and was looking for gigs that she could book. And it, you know, kind of came through on Twitter that the other two were doing this and it just really rounded out the bill. And that's how the whole thing came together. Wow. That's cool. I love that. 
So how do you think other artists can do this type of thing? You know, if they're going to go to South by Southwest, it seems like they had a lot of power, you know, kind of combining their forces. What, what do you think are some ideas that other artists can do to do this? Yeah, and, and that's really what I, I look at it as combining forces, just like you said, because if you use your contacts and find out what, what each individual person brings to the table and build something out of that, create an event like originally, you know, it was just going to be like Mary playing at this guy's show because they bonded over being from Duluth. But then we talked about it. It was like, why don't we make this into something, whatever your something is, um, and look at it as a way to get all of you ahead as opposed to just trying to better your own self, you know, build each other up, reach out to artists that you've met in the course of your travels or career, Find out maybe they know of some festivals, you know, festivals in their area. Maybe they know the promoter. Like Alex just listed this this restaurant, you know, this restaurant as a venue and then, you know, snowballed from there. But you never know who your contacts are going to know. So make that collaboration into something that you can pitch to a festival or showcase or something and then have someone who knows how to pitch it. <clears throat> um, get... <laughs> I don't know anybody like I know. That. I don't know. Who would that be? Um, but then have them get that product. Because what you've really created, your collaboration has become a product. You know, the three of you or the two of you, however you're, whatever you've created out of your own value, that's what you need to present and in all intents and purposes sell to the festival promoter or whoever you're trying to, to get yourself in front of. And that kind of ties in a little bit to how it helps an indie artist to have a PR person or even like a third person. You know, I don't do just PR. Sometimes I do booking. Sometimes I do like tour management. But if you're the artist and you're then trying to negotiate your deal or you're trying to, you know, be taken seriously as a musician, but you also need to do the business part of it, sometimes that crosses over and it can cause problems. So when you have a buffer person that can present on your behalf, that's, it's huge. It's, it's always like, oh, I'll have my people call you. Well, I'm your people. I'm, <laughs> I'm the bad guy when somebody needs to get tough with the, the bar owner who doesn't want to pay. That's my job. Because then you're still, you know, the creative musician that's super talented and they're not going to look down on you and, you know, mess with your set or who knows, you know, you never know. So it's always good to have kind of like that buffer in between. That is so true because I, I remember playing at a venue once and, and it was known that if you get on the bad side of the venue, that the sound people will just basically screw you. They will turn up the bass. They'll, you Ugh. know, make it so you can't hear anything except bass. They won't have the mics loud enough, you know. So it was just kind of like this, this like you're being held hostage by the venue. And so, you know, having that buffer it would be so good because then there's no, not really any kind of a relationship on a business level between you, the artist, and the venue. So there's nothing that could go wrong. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I also loved your idea that you were talking about, about having um, kind of a thing to promote. Like these girls weren't having to promote themselves. They were promoting the Lady Beast trifecta, trifecta or their, their event that they had created. 
And I think that's really powerful because it's sometimes it's hard for artists to promote themselves, but they can promote a thing or an event. And, you know, with women of substance, it's kind of the same thing where it's easier to promote the station or a podcast that I'm on than promoting myself. But then, you know, by way of that, people are listening, they're hearing, you know, oh, listen to this great podcast. It's got all these great female artists. Oh, and I happen to be one of them. Right. You know, exactly. So those are some good strategies that you musicians can use, I think, if you don't feel comfortable promoting yourself individually. And then, of course, you can get a PR agent so you don't have to do it at all, which is nice. It is nice. And I know a lot of people feel like they maybe can't afford it or they don't know, like I said earlier, what a PR person does. Find out. Do a little bit of research. You know, I'm happy to talk to people. I'll do consultations, even if they don't hire me for their project. I think the more people that can get on board with this whole let's work together within our specific skill sets or talents to make the whole indie community better and not just be, you know, out for ourselves. And I'm like, all right, I'm only going to take on artists if they can pay me, you know, $3,000 a month as a retainer and blah, blah, which is not what I charge, by the way. Um, (laughs) But, you know, things like that, it's a misconception. So, Look at your options. And um, Rory Kelly, who I was uh, one of the well, was one of the lady beasts. She has this saying, and her her theme for 2015 is community, not competition. Mm. And it's it's very such, good. It, yeah, sums it up. I mean, look how much further the three of them got in just one little thing at South by Southwest. What if more people did that? You know, think about that for a minute. How much greater could the indie community be? And how much more beneficial could it be to all of us if we just work together? We know what a concept. I agree. Now, do you think South by Southwest has gotten too big to be a networking opportunity for artists? Do you think it's better for them to focus on maybe smaller festivals if they want to, um, you know, have it as an an in-person networking opportunity to meet other artists to work with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the... The contacts that you make, they're, they're golden. But mm-hmm. And I guess it all depends on what an artist wants to get out of the networking opportunity. For me, as an industry person, it was way too big to be there without a badge and be at all the official South by South by West or South by Southwest events. Um, if I had done that, you know, paid the thousand dollars for a badge and gotten, you know, all the credentials. Yeah, it would have been more beneficial to me. But for an artist... I really think that um, it's still a really viable option if you're going to network with other musicians and make contacts. You'll still have to make an effort, but you you can can meet other musicians. Um, you just have to look at look at it in a different way. If that's your goal, then yes. But definitely the smaller conferences. I know like NERFA, which is the Northeast Regional Folk Alliance, is really well known. And they do conferences um, bigger. Their, their big one is in November. Um, but it, you're going to have a lot more interaction with similar people in a more controlled setting. I know there's a, a ton more like in the folk and acoustic community. So look at those and look at opportunities within your budget and within your region. You know, maybe you don't have to go all the way to Austin to to meet like-minded people. So start small and make your contacts and it will build way faster than you could ever imagine. 
Definitely. And I think if you do go to South by Southwest, it would make a lot of sense to connect with people online first and figure out a way to meet them there, right? Absolutely, yeah. Don't go to South by Southwest with the intention of, oh yeah, I'll I'll meet you at Stubbs. No, you're not gonna meet. You're not gonna find your person in the you know the throngs of people that are that are trolling around the streets. Have a plan if if you really want to use it as a networking opportunity or musicians that you want to meet up for coffee or whatever. So are there any attractions or venues or parties that you would suggest people go to if they do go to South by Southwest? Um, Sure. I mean, there's a lot of there's a ton of really cool parties and you can get invited to pretty much all of them. It's just, you know, knowing the right people are getting on a list. But uh, the Spin Magazine party at Stubbs was a really cool event. Um, Rachel Ray's party which that may be because I'm a total road food junkie that I was looking for where can I find the best food and it's Rachel Ray. So duh. Um, that was a really good one. And Neiman Marcus had a really cool event this year where they're, they're doing, um, empowerment of women in the media. And, you know, she, I don't remember the hashtag, but it was like this whole event that they put on in there at their party that had a purpose. And that was really cool that, that, that they did that. Um, if you just want to see some good music, Cedar Street Courtyard is a super cool venue. It's like these two bars on either side. And then there's this whole open air courtyard, but they have a stage set up at the end. So it's, it's really cool to go there just to see, and they bring in good music too. So it's a good chance to see some decent music. Um, any venue on sixth street, like sixth street is the street to go on. Um, and in my book, going back to the food thing, the original Whole Foods is in Austin. The place is ridiculous. I could live there. I mean, it's, I'm not kidding you. It's so amazing. All of the, just like the, the hot, like they have a salad bar that you, it could, anything that you could imagine putting on a salad, they have. They have like a whole nother setup like that where they have like a pad thai bar. And, oh man! And a, com- a comfort food bar. But the, like the be all end all for me they had a cookie bar. I'm not <laughs> kidding you. 72 varieties of cookies. It was, and I was just like, oh, and just, you just go through and you, they, you get like a bag, like, you know, you put like uh, coffee beans in like that kind of paper bag with a little zippy top thing. And you can just go through and take whatever kind of cookies you want to put them in your bag. And then it's, they weigh it at the end. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I don't. I do, I do not need to know where this is. This extremely dangerous. It's the corner of Twelfth and Lamar in Austin. <laughs> no, I'm not listening. <laughs> no, it was. It was the coolest thing. I went back twice actually, and I'm like, wow, those. Gin-. They had these little tiny mini ginger snap sandwiches with buttercream frosting in between. Oh, they were oh. so good. Yeah, they were so oh. good. Sorry. Okay, it's only 9.30 in the morning here, but I think I need to go get a cookie after this. And me, it's like, it's lunchtime at my house. I'm like, maybe I can just have cookies for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you have any other travel tips, like where to stay in town? And also, you know, what should they bring? Like, I think artists think they need to bring like a whole suitcase full of CDs. Are you, should you really be giving out CDs to people at this kind of an event? Um, I would say 
bring some promo CDs that you can give out, but don't just like randomly give them out on the street corner. Cause there were, there were a lot of that or, or like stickers and promo stuff. And then it's one of those things where you, you see the guy hand somebody a sticker or a flyer or something. And then like three feet down the road, the guy, the, the guy just drops it on the ground. So mm-hmm. you don't want throwaway stuff like that. But I would say if you, if you have a show booked, even if it's one of the smaller, like 20 minute set shows, Bring the same merch that you would bring to any show that you're doing. Treat it like a show because you never know, you know, like I said, what other musicians or what new music fans are going to be in the audience. So bring a smaller, obviously scaled down version, but bring merch, bring CDs to sell. Don't bring, you know, 100 CDs to sell. Bring like maybe 20 and then maybe some download cards or something like that. So if you run out of CDs, but people really want your music. They can, you know, you can give them a download card, um, however you want to do that. But no, you don't need like an extra suitcase just full of crap that you're going to give out at South by because it really is a throwaway type thing down there. It really is for promo material. So I agree. I've, I've heard that from Madeline Sklar before, too. And definitely like artists think they just they need to hand their CD as long as they can get into the hand of an industry person, then they're going to be golden. Right. Yeah. That's not going to happen. It's that person not. is going to put it down. They're going to forget about it. You know. Yeah. So, that yes, that's you're exactly right on. So, yeah, don't worry about paying the extra 50 bucks for your your second suitcase full of merch. You know, just maybe put it in your carry on. You'll be good. Um but travel tips like that, I could, um, I really recommend looking at Airbnb because there are like the locals get the hell out of Dodge during South by Southwest because they don't want to deal with the madness. But that leaves all of their homes and condos and apartments that they run out. So look at Craigslist, look at Airbnb because you can get it's it's going to be expensive. Just so you know, it's it's not cheap to go. So, but you can sometimes split that with people and like the, the places to stay like rainy street, which is R A I N E Y or the aforementioned infamous sixth street is, you know, good places anywhere close to downtown. If you really want to be like all in the whole mess of it, downtown is where you want to stay. Awesome. Wow. I love these really specific tips. Well, I think we've talked about my attention to detail. <laughs> yes. No, that's really good. I mean, it, uh, why have tips if they're not specific? That's what I always say. Right. Who- so this has been so awesome. You have given us so much great information, and I really appreciate you coming on here. I appreciate you finding a studio to record this in because you're not at home. You're working out in the world as a PR person. So thanks for doing that. I want you to give information for everybody to know how to find you um, you know, what, what they should do if they want to talk to you about PR. Oh, thank, and thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor because I have been following women of substance radio. So I know what you do for the music community. And when you invited me on, I was a little bit, you know, giggly that, Oh, she wants to interview me because it's an honor. So thank you so much. And yes, thank you to the, the amazing people at Subcat studios in Syracuse, New York, who have put me in my own studio even though like the Oak Ridge boys drummer is 
cutting a record next door. But they yeah, we can hear a little bleed of that. So I'm going to let people know in the in advance. But it's kind of cool because it's like a real music experience. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it is. So I, yeah, I'm not just like sitting at my desk. I'm in a recording studio. You guys are that important to me. But no, thank you so much. Um, and if people want to find me, the best way to do that is on my website, which is uh, rspentertainmentmarketing.com. And there's a mailing list. There's also like a contact form if you just want to send me a quick email. Email me. It comes right to me. And if you have any questions, I can, you know, answer a couple questions or we could set up a time when we can do a full on consultation. I'm more than happy to do that just to kind of give you some direction. It doesn't have to be, like I said, I'm not going to work with you unless you do, you know, a, a retainer with me for six months or whatever. If you need just some quick information, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm happy to do it. Awesome. Definitely do it, guys. She's awesome. I've been working with her for the past several months with some of her artists and she she I'm she's totally serious about that attention to detail. She's all <laughs> over it. So you will Thanks. be well taken care of. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. It has been so great to talk to you and I can't wait for everybody to hear this interview. Have an awesome day. Awesome. Thank you again so much, Bree. Have a great day. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Bree Noble and music by Stella Ronson. Stella Ronson.